Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where every single week we drop powerful gems so you can increase your nonprofit's grant writing capacity and so you can transition into becoming a freelance grant writer and grow a grant writing business where you can earn five to six figure contracts working part time. All right, to help you get there this week, we have Mr. Sean Kosofsky from Mind the Gap Consulting back on the podcast. Sean is a really good friend of mine and he is a great colleague and I absolutely love how he has built his company Mind the Gap Consulting. He is also a speaker at the Nonprofit Consulting Conference coming up August 23rd and 24th. So if you want to check out more from Sean at the conference, do make sure you jump into the show notes today and see where you can find Sean and also check out the Nonprofit Consulting Conference so you can see the session that Sean is speaking on which is very similar to today's episode, but there he's gonna give you more of a tutorial step-by-step. All right, so what am I talking about? Well, before I get there, let me tell you where to find the show notes and all the links, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 283. Do make sure you jump over there to grab all of those links. All right, so what are we gonna talk about today? We are gonna talk about Sean's journey going from nonprofit executive director of a national nonprofit. And he went from that to having a part-time nonprofit consultancy to now a full-time nonprofit consultancy in 2023. I've been with Sean for the last few years as a part of his journey. And I loved seeing his process on how he was like, okay, I'm going to step over into full-time consultancy once I've been able to do X, Y, and Z, right? So he needed a system, he needed a process, and he didn't want to just go full on like from full-time executive director of a national nonprofit, full-time nonprofit consultant, right? Like quit his job and then just open up his business. He instead started a side hustle, built that into a really good business, and then when he felt comfortable, then he retired and left his uh, nonprofit executive director job and is now full-time in his business. So very awesome how he did this. And I really encourage a lot of you out there, you kind of say, how should I do this transition? Sometimes it's not gonna happen like that, right? Sometimes you're gonna get laid off, you're gonna get fired, things are gonna happen, crisis comes up and you do have to quit right away and you haven't started something up. But if you are even thinking about it, and remember every single grant writer should start at least a part-time business, do get it set up. So when or if something like that happens, you already understand how to collect money, how to market, who your ideal client is, all of the things so you can take off quickly. And of course you can learn from Sean and what he's done. So here is Sean Kosofsky of Mind the Gap Consulting. Let's hear about his journey from going part-time consultancy to full-time consultancy while being a full-time executive director at a nonprofit. Here's Sean. Hello, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. Super excited to be here. 
Absolutely. And Sean, you are known as a nonprofit fixer, and that is because you do help fix nonprofits, and you've been doing this for nearly 30 years, executive director of five different nonprofits, one a nationwide nonprofit. You've been hustling your business now for quite some time, too, as a consultant and have recently gone full time. So congratulations on that shift. Thank you. It's super exciting. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. So we're here to actually talk about that today. And I think that's great. You're also a speaker at the nonprofit consulting conference online, which is happening this year on August 23rd and 24th, two full days of amazing sessions um, presented by Founded Technologies. And we have amazing other sponsors there as well. We have Gems, we have Bloomerang, we have Essential Bookkeeping Services. We have so much going on and we really have some great, that's of course by Funding for Good and Grant Writing and Funding. And it's great that you're going to be there because we're going to be talking about know when and how to grow your nonprofit consultancy, right? So and with you, I loved it. We invited you to come be a speaker at this event because it's so important with your just living this. So you've been a nonprofit consultant and working full-time for a number of years, and you've just recently transitioned in 2023 to opening your full-time consultancy and no longer an executive director. So I love that you're going to really be able to say, this is really in real life what happened to me. <laughs> like This is how I've done it. And be able to share a lot of those, just your experience. And you're going to share some of that today on the podcast. So thank you for coming on and sharing that. And again, congratulations on that huge shift. And, you know, we're just going to talk about a lot. So what we're going to talk about today, I think, is really bringing up, like, what are some of the lessons learned that you've done? If you could go back and kind of change some things, what would that be? And then also some things that you've done that you're like, yes, this worked. So I'm really excited to get into that today. Um, but a little bit before that, I just want to like open the floor to you and let you just kind of talk about like, what was the reasoning of wanting to even move into be a nonprofit consultant from the nonprofit being an employee, right, to shift into consultancy. So if you could kind of talk about that, that would be great. Yeah, I think that the first reason why I took clients in the first place was way back in 2012 or 2013, people kept approaching me to help with special projects. So I would be like, oh, yeah, I can help with this. I can help with this executive director search or this other thing. But around 2017, the major thing that happened was that I was leaving one job on the East Coast to move to the West Coast because I fell in love with someone and wanted to move out there. And in that window of time, I was looking for a full-time job. And I knew it was going to be a number of months, many months between I between um, uh, the first job and the second one. So I wanted money coming in, but I also wanted to keep myself busy. I could just goof off for a while until I found a job, but it took 14 months to find work. So luckily mm -hmm. I had began the process of starting to uh, think about how do you actually grow a business? I've been doing nonprofits my whole life. How do you actually start a business? And I got a little hung up in the beginning on the paperwork and the, you know, being legal and getting the banking and all that stuff set up. And I really, I uh, had a number of people telling me, no, that stuff will be easy. Just figure out clients, figure out how to get revenue. So I thought I was going to be able to do a lot more with word of mouth in that first year, but it was actually hard. I didn't know how to explain what I did yet. Mm -hmm. I hadn't done that hard, unique value proposition work. I just thought I know legions of people, great relationships. I know tons of executive directors who pull the purse strings, you know, on, on their organizations and thought I'd get a lot of word of mouth clients, but a lot of folks had already engaged the clients that they wanted to work, the, the, the consultants that they mm -hmm. wanted to work with. So it was actually um, not as easy as I thought it was going to be. So I maybe got three clients in my first year and that, that was not enough to pay the bills. 
Uh, so I, but around the the time that I was thinking of stopping the uh, the job search, I was going to just go full time with my business. But in that exact moment, I got a really amazing job, and so I put my business on hold for a bit. Uh, it became very part time, uh, but in that first fourteen months or so, it was like a mad hustle to find clients and to just like ex- exhaust my network to find to find paying clients. Yeah, and you know, and I first off, I just got to say I I love that this all started because of love. <laughs> Absolutely love that. So, um, and that's such a good uh, origin story, right? It's hard because of love. So, but, you know, and that's great because, you know, the first 14 months, right? That is when it's crazy for a lot of people because it's everything is a learning curve, right? So like you said, just getting incorporated, figuring out your checking, your banking, your business license, your, the name of your company, like that can hold people back and paralyze them, right? So like just getting all of that sorted. And then on top of that, finding clients and getting revenue, knowing how to manage that and invoice and which software to use and all of that is such like a crazy learning experience. So it's good you had time, if you will, to do that. Um, but then you were set up. So at least you were set up. So that was back in, you said like 2012 that you were getting kind of at that point, taking on clients and then you were full time. So then it was a number of years, a little like basically 10 years before you went full time, right? And can you kind of talk about that journey then of keeping clients on you absolutely loved your job so it wasn't like oh I I hated my job I need to leave it right it was more of like I still love my job so there's a choice I have to make as well so can you kind of talk about that yeah I think that the key was um that I think that the things I was being asked to do were easy were were Mm. sort of easy for me so people would come to me and say would you help us out with this executive director search just be on the committee advise us because we were, were hiring our first ever ed and they would pay me for that time to help them with the search. I wasn't leaving the search. I was just helping. I was like, this is actually pretty easy. Consulting is pretty easy. You can just get paid for your advice. When you do hit a point in your career where you've got wisdom and you've got information and you've had a lot of experience, the money can actually come in pretty easily. And the thing I love about the consulting work now is even when I was um, leading my climate change organization, I was paid really well. So I didn't need to keep my consulting work open for money. I did it because I loved my business. My clients were getting results. And I love being able to help lots of purpose-driven organizations um, without having to do fundraising for them, right? So um, it took 10 years, but eventually I think that the the plunge was because I knew I didn't want to have to do lots of creating work products for people. I just really wanted to be able to consult, hop on the phone, give advice, watch them take the advice and do something with it, or become a coach and help other executive directors through these challenges. It was just easier to just hop on the phone and make money. Um, Now, ideally, I'm not trading hours for dollars long term, right? That I've got some other business models there. But that is what took me a long time to kind of dive in was that I had a really good uh, full time work. Um, But then ultimately, I just I just decided I wanted to work for myself. And I wanted to uh, be able to choose how my work day went. Oh, I love that. So yeah, and, and I know a lot of people, they get into consultancy because of many different reasons, right? A lot of it is that flexibility. A lot of times it is, they just can't find a job, right? Um, like you did in the beginning, right? It was like, I need to get some income and keep busy and keep doing some work that I love. Or sometimes even it is like they don't like their jobs and they need something or they get fired or laid off or, you know what I mean? 
mean, there's a lot of reasons that lead to working for yourself, but they don't always have to be negative. They can just be like, oh, you know what? I love the job that I was doing, but this kind of fits more in my work-life balance or whatever, right? So um, that's it's it's really cool that you're bringing those things up. But even that you had a structure, and I imagine your structure changed a bit over the last decade, right? With everything that's happened online and different things like so now are you really offering like a lot of different things than when you first started in your consultancy 10 years ago probably the biggest transition is getting clearer and clearer over time Mm -hmm. about what I do and what I don't do Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of folks could come to me and say hey are you willing to do this thing for money and at some point you need to say that's like a lot of work and that isn't in my sweet zone my sweet spot right Mm -hmm. so over time now, I say that I'm, I do coaching, I do consulting, and I do courses, the three C's. And so that's basically what I focus on. And that helps me as a framework, like think about what I'll take and what I won't take. Um, up till now, I have been really resistant to do strategic planning for people. A lot of folks want strategic planning, but for me, the experience of strategic planning is the long, grueling weekend of just like pouring out all of this really uh, you know, emotional energy into producing this document. Um, but I'm starting to change my mind about that because I have a couple clients wanting to work on that and then mm-hmm. just understanding that you can do strategic planning a slightly different way, like organizational alignment a different way. But over time, the thing that has really gotten clear for me is that I do want to sell digital courses. I really do want to take a lot of the knowledge in my head, put it into some product that I could just sell and sell and sell. Also, lots of organizations cannot afford a consultant. Mm. They need on-demand resources. So I think that uh, putting it all out, um, out of my head and into deck and into like actual training courses gives me a curriculum. So anyone at any time can say, hey, can you do this training? I just pluck a lesson or a module from my course and go do that training. And so that to me is really where my business has gone is helping executive directors with coaching, creating courses that I can then replicate for clients, And then uh, the other main thing that's probably been the shift for me is increasing prices over time, because Mm -hmm. I have realized that the value is, is what you're delivering for the client. It isn't about what do I think this is worth? It's about the value you're delivering for clients. So increasing my prices over time and working with those that can actually afford to work with me because I don't want 20 clients. I want five at a time. Right. Right. And I, I love that. And, you know, and a lot of that, um, and I've done the same thing in my business too. And it's so funny because you have, you know, you realize, wow, I keep adding more to that product or that service and that value does keep going up. Right. So, and that's the thing too, is to really be up on a hundred percent and to be involved a hundred percent to show up that way. I can't be burned out either. Right. And it's, it's kind of that reflection of the nonprofit sector. I would say in a lot of ways too, is Hey, what, you know, can we get pro bono? Can we get discounts? Can we, you know, I call it the poverty mindset, right? As far as like kind of circling in that. So can we spend some time on that? Because I think that's a great kind of shift is you having served in the nonprofit sector for so long now being a consultant, but is there, do you feel like you have to overcome some type of that poverty mindset or how do you work with, you know, nonprofits? Cause I know you probably get it too. Can you give me a discount? Can you do it for free? That sort of conversation. Um, it, you really are breaking through to the board chair or the executive director in a lot of situations. And having been the ED five times, I know that I'm thinking about um, there's like an amount my board has approved to go do a certain thing, like a retreat or, or strategic planning. And I know the amount I'm allowed to spend. And then there's 
the flexibility I have as an ED to just say, here's this thing I want to go do. I can't do it myself. I need to outsource it. And so because I know a little bit about how EDs think, I can kind of go in and say, I'm here to help you solve problems. You don't, you have enough things to do, right? Mm-hmm. You're doing payroll. You got this other thing you're, you're working on. Let me come in and be your co-pilot. Let me kind of come in and help you through the year um, as you're taking on all of these new and different challenges. Maybe they're going through change. Maybe they're growing or shrinking. Maybe they're going through an executive director transition, whatever's happening. You just need someone to, to guide you along the way to give you shortcuts without cutting corners. And that's the key because you don't want to like shortchange any kind of process, but you'd also don't want to wait in line if you don't need to. I tell nonprofits who are thinking I can't afford a consultant. I'm like, you can't afford not to have one because you're going to spin your wheels and be stuck for a long time in the same process unless you hire a professional to help you get unstuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really knowing how to communicate that because it is such a value, um, but a lot of times I feel like a lot of uh, nonprofit leaders, they're kind of stuck in this, well, what's the ROI? And and they do have to think about those types of things as well. Um, But we can come in and say, yeah, but you don't have to work weekends. (laughs) You know, like some of those value adds that are huge, that are a little harder to measure, potentially. Um, So I love that. And, you know, so as you, as you're shifting into your, your consultancy, like, what are some of the things that you're like, these are... I have to have these things set up before I shift over. Like what were some of those main systems maybe, or just things that you needed to get done, right? Um, to feel comfortable. Yeah, you know, I thought I needed to be clearing a certain amount of income before I could jump from my job. Mm-hmm. And at some point I decided I don't need that. I do, Like I've already been able to prove that the business model works. My business has been growing every single year. Even if I was only putting in six hours a week into my business, it was growing and doubling every year. So I was like, okay, I'm killing myself to do my full-time job as running a national environmental organization and running a business. And I have other obligations, husband, dog, you know, live house, everything. So I was like, do I need to hit this certain magical number before I know it's okay to to jump? And I ultimately just said, no, I don't need to hit that number at all. I know I will eventually hit that number. And I don't need to completely replace my income within a year at all. I can see that things are working. I will, when I have full-time energy, I'll be able to grow these numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I first thought I needed to hit a number that I didn't. So when I knew it was time to jump was after I had just toiled over the decision for many, many months. I just knew I was going to be giving up a really excellent career in one thing to go do something totally different. Something was speaking to me. Something was just telling me I'm ready for my third act, right? My first act was being an activist. And then my second act was being a manager, being an executive director, kind of running the place and doing startups. And then my third act is starting a business and making a business work. Something just kept telling me I'm ready for the next challenge. I wasn't getting stimulated where I was before. And I didn't know what the next thing was. But after spending a year thinking about it, I ultimately just kept saying, my clients bring me joy. Every day, I I, I see a rapid feedback loop of me giving advice. They do it. They get results. And I was like, this gives me joy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so ultimately, I just knew I needed to make the jump because my business, even if it wasn't hugely lucrative yet, it was absolutely bringing me joy. And so Mm -hmm. the time to go full time was when I had enough savings. Mm -hmm. For me, I had a good year, year and a half of savings. 
Um, and I knew that the first six months in the business, I might see actually like a dip into that savings for a bit. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky enough to have a second income. My husband does really well. So I don't have to worry about eating cat food if my business mm -hmm. fails. So for me, it was a lot easier. Some people don't have a second income or a partner that does that does well. Um, but independently, my business can run on its own. But there's always that fallback. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I knew that after two years in business full time, if it doesn't work out, I'll reevaluate, but I'm, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure it's going to work. And um, I just need to decide where to apply my energy. But for me, that the big jump was the joy that it was bringing me and that I had savings. I love that. And yeah, my coach, Honoré Corder, she always talks about joy, money, time. Like that's the perfect triad, right? So it sounds like you had all of those. You had, it was joy. And at least you had money coming in from it. Like you said, there was something to show doubling every year and you only spend six hours a week. So you're like, hmm, if I can keep a business going and growing with this amount of time and it brings me joy and there's income, that's like that perfect triad. So I love that um, so much. Uh, and seeing that, that it wasn't just, and, and you reflected it too, a part of your intuition and your feelings about it too. And I think sometimes we're so much into the pro con list of like, should I do this? Should I not do this? And, you know, but at the end of the day, it's tapping into that deeper intuition of like, where, where's my vision long-term, right? Where is this going to really help me grow as a person, right? It's time. <laughs> time for this. And I can tell you that the, the signs aren't clear. There's no yeah. one day where lightning strikes or one day where you're like, oh, I, I did have a client in the fall front me $25,000 for some work they wanted to do over the next year. They said, we need to get some money off our books. We'd like to just like pay you in advance. Yeah that work and I was like okay so now I can see the money in my in my bank account it's already paid for I need to go do the work and I'm like if this is happening now more of that's going to happen later it just gave me the added boost to be like I'm going to be okay um so having a few bigger clients that are telling me we are in this for the long haul right yeah. and so that that told me okay I'm going, I know I'm going to have a regular steady uh drumbeat of income just got to augment that later on but yeah there's no one sign though where you're like oh this is the moment instead it is a leap of faith and it is, um, uh, you know, if you just, I just know that I'm always able to solve problems. Yeah. It doesn't mean I make everything a success, but I do know that I'm always able to solve problems and the problems of my business, getting it up, growing and, and just figuring out how to solve problems that was stimulating to me and being able to do it full time, but also maybe just working four days a week and still mm -hmm. having Fridays to kind of relax, spend time with my friends, um, meant a lot to me. So just, it, there was no magic sign. It mm -hmm. was just a series of like one whole year of thinking deeply. I even went on a meditation retreat and focused mm -hmm. much of my energy on my meditation retreat, thinking about this question mm -hmm. and came back with the decision. I love that. I love that. And, and you're right. A lot of times it's not even when you make the decision, it was like, it's not like, yes, that's it. No, the clouds part. Like, <laughs> it's like you just kind of have to say, yep, I'm going to do it and make this decision. And like you said, you know what, if it doesn't work out in two years and I'm not where I want to be, I can always make a new decision, you know? So I love that being yeah. like, it's not going to be all end all and you can never go back into the nonprofit sector. Of course you can, right? So it's like, you know, that's what your choice would be or opening, going, opening a for-profit or going to the corporate, you can do anything, right? So, but having... Right 
having the preparation too is important. So I see a lot of people are just like, I'm just going to do it all. And they have no savings. They have no, right. And some people do that, but I think that's really the minority that feel successful in the long term or don't apply for a job in six months. Right. So there is some of that. And I like that you talked about, you had some savings, you have other, you know, things that kind of help support you and you've built up this. So, and that's something I always help people or to tell people too, is like, yeah, get a couple of clients on the side, start building your business first, and then you can transition. Right. Because it's going to make you feel more confident. It's going to make you feel more comfortable. And sometimes yeah. you might not have the choice. You might get fired and be like, I'm just going to start my business. And that's just the way it is that, you know what I mean? But having that is, it can be helpful. So would you say what other things, like, was there any other like operation set up or scheduling set up or anything else that would be helpful, you know, for people? For me, I sort of did it uh, in a different way. I, I was spending time over the, the, the four years that I was doing, running this national organization and doing my business, I was slowly putting the bones on the business, getting my funnels in place, hire, finding the right virtual assistant. I went through a number of them that were not awesome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just trying on lots of different things, uh, you know, doing tons and tons of reading. Am I going to do a membership program? Am I going to do, you know, I spent a number of years doing plenty of research, going to lots of webinars, figuring this out, deciding this is not going to be for me. This is for me. So just trying on lots of stuff, giving myself plenty of time. Mm -hmm. And then I do think that uh, once I decide to leave my full-time job. It was like, I'm done at the end of December and I'm going to spend January and February of this year right now as we're doing this interview, setting up my systems. Like now that I've got full-time energy to put toward getting my business structured, I'm getting search engine optimization um, focused on some stuff I hadn't done for four or five years, getting my funnels fixed, moving platforms to stuff that is totally much better, having some um, some bandwidth to actually walk yeah. through all of my funnels, to walk through my website. Language I wrote years ago that I'm going back to saying, oh, that's not, I can't believe I wrote that. Like it's time for a refresh. So January and February are sort of like, I, because I had some savings, I decided these will be two months that I'm not focused on bringing in money at all. I have money coming in, but I'm not focus on new business okay. generation that I'm going to give myself 60 days to get the bones of the business, like where it needs to be, and then flip the switch in March and begin doing new business generation. So that's, so most people would do that before they quit their job, but I just needed the, uh, to have a month or two where I could just do that and not have to worry about money coming in because I had a little bit of padding. No, and I think that's, you know, it's great though, too, because what you're kind of doing too is the imperfection of just getting things out there and already making money before you made it all perfect. And I think that's really cool too. It's not like you had to sit there and say, I'm going to go to all these webinars before I decide to do my own webinar. Cause you've been doing webinars now for years, like, but you've still been attending and, and still looking at the trends and all the things, but it didn't hold you back from not doing it. It sounds like now you're just kind of going in and optimizing a lot of things, you know, now that you have the bandwidth to do that. So I love that too, is like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Go out, try things, especially if you're working full-time before you go to the, you know, before you go full-time consultancies, have fun then to really test things and see what you love to do. And, you know, like all of that, you love doing webinars or creating courses or just doing coaching or consulting, right? There's so many different things that you can do. And if you're working full-time, you have the ability, not really with time as much, but just to make it down and dirty and get it out there <laughs> and test it. Right. So I love that you did that. And now you're allowing yourself that time, which is great now that you have the bandwidth just to focus on the one thing. What about mindset? Can you just talk about 
about mindset for a little while because mindset is a, you are an executive director, so you're still running an organization and a business. So somewhat similar to running a consultancy, but some differences too. Can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, I think the mindset of uh, being an executive director is sort of like, I have been charged by this board and our stakeholders with with driving this organization toward uh, results and uh, meeting its mission. As a business owner, you're sort of, your goals are sort of different. And so for me, it's like, I really love the idea of working with lots of different people. So um, as an executive director, you're focused on one organization, but as a consultant or as a business owner, I'm sort of focused on creating as much value. I just wrote a blog piece about this the other day about how the definition of success doesn't have to deal with how much money you're bringing in. The definition of success is whether your stuff works, right? Mm -hmm. Are people getting results? My clients come to me or my, my customers come to my courses, they go through them and they get results and their, their testimonials are amazing. So even if I make 50,000 a year or 500,000 a year, I know my business is successful. So I, well, I, of course I want that to be lucrative, but there's a number where at which point I don't need to pass this number. So for, for me, it's like the mindset issue really is I don't want to trade dollars for hours. That does not give me joy. Mm-hmm. The idea of thinking five years out um, that uh, in order to make another 25,000, I've got to get this many hours per month. That doesn't excite me. The other mindset issue I would definitely say is uh, the hustle, right? Which is like, I, I really have focused on uh, uh, retainer clients up until now, just really having people that are working with me all year long. So I don't have to do a lot of new business generation. I've got a series of people that have blocks of hours every month, but now moving to more package pricing where I can do like a chunk of work in a, in a you know a window of time and be done with it. And, uh, but charge more money for that work because I'm getting results faster for people. So the mindset issue is really um, the fact that you're always having to replace your clients once you're done with them. Maybe they re up, but is it always a hustle? Am I okay with that? And then maybe the business model changes. Maybe in two years, it's just, I move everything to a membership model and everything goes behind a paywall and everyone pays and it's all passive sort of income. Um, so I don't know, but the, the mindset really is how much work is this going to be versus the full-time job I had before, which one really is giving me joy for the, for the hustle. Right. Right. And I love that. Yeah. I love that because it really talks about, um, you know, you're talking about so many different things as far as like, what brings me joy? It goes back to that. Like, what is really, you know, and what is the purpose that I'm here to help more people, like to see these results, right? And going back to that, it's the success of the company. Um, so, and I'm sure you have a number too, like this is my baseline number. This is my goal number. <laughs> I mean, some different numbers as entrepreneurs, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I also want to know, like, what are some things that have been harder for you maybe, or like some transitional kind of like, okay, we're getting into this. This isn't what exactly what I expected. And how are you overcoming that or finding solutions? Yeah, I think it's structure. I think it's like setting up a structure. When you're running an organization, things just happen for you and to you. It's like, oh, all my staff need check-ins every two weeks, right? So, okay, putting all those on the calendar. I've got grant deadlines that are due. Like the works, the workflow comes to you and you build your, your calendar around what you need to do. I get to decide completely what I'm doing in my business. So I'm trying to to decide how do I organize tasks? How do I organize my calendar? Do I want to see, do I literally put things in my calendar all the time to block off and work block? 
This is for email writing. This is for content. This is for reevaluating pages on my website. So the, the difficult part for me has been figuring out the right workflow because I can get distracted easily. I work from home. It's like, oh, my dog wants to play. Oh, they could snack on something. So I very easily could, could do all that just by working from home. If I had an office or a coffee house or something, whenever I go someplace, I get stuff done. Yeah. Now that's more about the way I work but it's enhanced when you're running your own business. There's no outside funder, outside place telling you what you need to do. You've got to set that motivation. And uh, and my motivation for me isn't a dollar amount that I need to hit. It is proving that my model is, is working mm -hmm. or it is demonstrating real value. A better sign for me than dollar amount is who's inviting me to want to participate with them. Like who's inviting me to, to show up? The fact that I have a number of colleagues like you and Mandy and other folks who consistently want to keep working together tells me what, what I'm doing is working, right? A number of folks want to keep working together. So that to me is like a sign that, that what my business is doing is quality. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing I see are here too, especially for people coming into my grant professional mentorship program or the Freelance Grant Writing Academy is it's that transition of schedule. Like, Wow. Because like you said, a lot of things were running your schedule before. And especially if you're employed, you know, if you, if you take that break, if you go to this meeting, like you're still getting paid the same, right? But when you're running your own company, it's like, you got to start thinking about billable hours or like how much is coming in for me to take this time or to do this thing, or, you know, it's, it's a very different kind of thought process, right? That that was, I will say that my last job was paying me really well. And by the, and I knew that for the first time since I was a teenager, I, January 15th was going to be the first time that a payday came and nothing was going to be deposited in my account, right? Mm -hmm. It yeah. isn't going off to retirement. It isn't going off to this other thing. There's no big, a chunk that kind of goes in there. It, that day comes, I just, for months, I was like, oh, here's going to be this day where you all of a sudden know that the regularity. The, yeah. the, the reliability and the regularity of a paycheck is um, is a mindset thing, mm -hmm. right? That it's going to be a little bit more coming in bunches and lopsided or whatever. Um, and so that is a mindset issue that people have got to get ready for. If you're leaving full-time employment, if you're going from just like unemployment to business, um, just know that you might have to spend money to make money. Yeah. Uh, that is difficult. It doesn't mean you have to go into debt. It doesn't mean, you know, maybe you do, but you definitely should be really smart about what software you buy or what uh, technical assistance that you bring on. Like I have three people working for me right now. Um, they're all like just part-time um, assistants, but uh, I'm, I'm front loading the first six months of the year to get those things done so that things are purring along later and I hopefully need less help in the fall. But you do need to decide to spend some money to make some money. Absolutely. Yeah. These are all so great. And I, I know this is going to help so many people out there that are like, should I open a consultancy or should I go full time? So these are great tips. But before we close out today, I just want to ask you, what are your top, what are the top things then that you think have really helped you? Like as far as any kind of software, or you mentioned like hiring VAs, like what are some of your like few of your tops? Um, I definitely think anything that can automate processes is really important. I keep looking and finding things that I've been doing manually that I'm like, oh, software I've been paying for can do that. Uh, I was pulling reports once a month to do something. And then now that I have the time, I'm like watching it. I'm like, oh my God, this software I've been paying for can automate this. I had <laughs> this, exactly. I mean, I already was using Zapier and, uh, you know, my email software, but there's other things that you start uncovering that just can become simpler. Mm -hmm. And 
So that's one thing. I think software, investing in the right software, and it's okay if you make the mistake and get into the wrong software, but I do think that um, I have wasted a lot of money on software that was probably uh, what's just because someone recommended it. And I, didn't, I was just too hurried to be making money to just get something out there. And I don't regret any of it, yeah. um, but I do think that there is a temptation to sort of just like get something that works and, and get out the door and get your business running. But I probably spent more money than I needed to, but I was also okay with that because I had yeah. money coming in. Just be careful I, with with that. I would just encourage folks as you're making that leap to really think about the software. Don't go for the full bells and whistles if that's not what you need. You don't, you don't have to future-proof your software like, oh, I'm going to need this in five years, so I might as well get it now. Just yeah. take it step-by-step, step, do the simpler stuff, and if you have to change later, just bite the bullet and do it. I love that. Yeah, and that's the way I feel about the software, too. And even other things that I bought, I'm like, it's never wasted money, right? If you always look back at it and say, I've learned something from it, I learned not to do that, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, or like, like you said, like there's a lot of software just because it can do that one thing that will fix it in the moment. And then I, I then it's nice to look at your software every like quarter, at least every six months and be like, am I still using this stuff? Right. Because maybe you just got it to fix something real quick because you're so busy and there's so much going on that, you know, it just needed to be the fix, the quick fix. And then you're stuck yeah. with it. So I love that. So um, any other advice to people who are thinking about going full-time as a nonprofit consultant? If you can build up some savings, it will just make you sleep better at night if you can do that. And I don't know, people have different different situations. They might, I'm, I'm risk averse. I think of myself as pretty risk averse. I don't ever want, I've never had credit card debt. I've never gone into debt. I've always played it safe. Some folks are like, no, you gotta, you know, you know, who can Like I've just, I've just been so fortunate in my life to just always spend within my means the idea of having um, like, like nothing, uh, you know, it, it is always like kind of scared me. Some people are way more comfortable with that. They're way more comfortable with that. If you're risk averse like me, save money first if you can. It mm -hmm. might mean staying in your job an extra six months or taking some clients on the side before you jump. If you're like, no, whatever, I just would rather have free time than, than worry about debt. I know I'll make money later on. Go for it. But mm -hmm. for me, I know that having savings helped me make the choice that was right for me. And, uh, and again, savings could mean selling something. It could mean doing a little bit of early work in your business, or it could mean um, just living more simply or whatever it is. But for me, that was a, a helpful thing that helped me uh, make the jump. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. And I love that because you, you talked about too, um, you know, you thought, oh, I just have all these clients because of the word of mouth. And, and usually I've seen that work gorgeously, but you also noted that there was a lot of things that weren't that great about it. They had already secured other people. Like that wasn't your way in. So like, don't just assume either, even if you're in the best position, right? Like it is nice to kind of go out there get a couple of clients, especially if you have a job right now, you can get them on the side, um, even if it's one, just to really get that confidence too, and to kind of test that market, I think is great. And I, I love that, you know, that's a very different situation of how you describe it. So that's why I wanted to bring it back up. Mm -hmm. And the, and the single other thing that, because when I first started, I was like, hey, I would call people and be like, hey, would you want to hire me to do some stuff? And they're like, what do you do? And I really, I had done everything. And so I thought I could explain it and I couldn't because I hadn't done the hard work of unique value proposition. So I actually went through some exercises. Who's my ideal client? What is the actual thing, the problem in the world that I solve? And the clearer and clearer I got, 
Because, you know, yeah, bring me in for this, bring me in for this. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear you pitching where you're like, I don't know, I can do anything. Then you just sound right. like a freelance. You sound like you're just freelancing, just like put me to work, you know, yeah. instead of I'm an expert, which yeah. is in my career where I was at. So I definitely think you should get crystal clear about what you do, what you don't do and why that unique value proposition. Do some of that work. Those are exercises that people could take online. Go do that before you start hunting down for clients. Mm-hmm. If you're a specialist, if you're a specialist, I build websites, I write code. Mm-hmm. It's going to be easier for you. Yeah. But if you're a generalist, do the unique value proposition work. I love that so much. And I know you're going to be talking more about this at the nonprofit consulting conference. You have a whole session on this specifically. So this, if you guys really love listening to this, getting a lot of gems, which I know you are, um, you'll definitely want to sign up for that conference. So thank you, Sean, for coming on today for the Grant Writing and Funding podcast YouTube channel and uh, letting people know like some of the behind the scenes of becoming a full-time nonprofit consultant. And we're happy to always have you back on the podcast and I'll see you at the conference. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode with Sean Kosofsky of Mind the Gap Consulting. Once again, for all of today's show notes, including where you can grab tickets to the two-day nonprofit consulting conference, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 283. And we also want to thank our podcast episode sponsor today, and that is GEMS, Grant Easy Management Software. If you want a place so you'll never miss a grant deadline again, you have all your grants in one place, just a push of a button, create a grant report and you can track all of the time that you spend on your various activities of writing grants, submitting grants, managing grants, etc. Do jump on with a free demo with Rachel and her team at GEMS and you can do that by going to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash G-E-M-S. And a big shout out also to Founded Technologies, our title sponsor to the Nonprofit Consulting Conference. We are super excited as this is just rolling right in a couple of weeks and we'd love to see you there. All right. And as always, you guys, if you love the podcast, please do me a favor, leave a review on iTunes or your podcast player because that does help other people find the podcast. And I love reading those reviews. All right. I will see you guys next week as we resume our resources and our golden nuggets for you on grant writing and funding. Bye-bye.